everyone and welcome to this podcast on exercise and the considerations needed for older people with diabetes when trying to encourage, plan and maintain physical activity. My name is Rachel Freeman and I am the Professional Services Manager at the Australian Diabetes Educators Association and I will be your host today. This podcast has been developed in conjunction with the Aged Care and Diabetes Online Learning Modules, which can be accessed via the ADA Learning Management System. Today, I would like to introduce Dale Agnew, who is an accredited exercise physiologist and credentialed diabetes educator. Dale is the Managing Director at Synergy Health and Fitness Solutions in Queensland. He has been an accredited exercise physiologist for 13 years and credentialed diabetes educator for six years. Hi Dale, how are you today? I'm great, thanks Rachel. Thanks very much for having me on board. No worries at all. It's really great that we can tap into your wealth of knowledge regarding diabetes exercise and the older person. And firstly, would you like to give a bit more background about your services and what you do and perhaps your interest and experience with older people with diabetes? Yeah, so I've been in practice uh, coming up around 10 years um, this year and as, firstly as a sole practitioner in an exercise physiology practice and then uh, we added a dietitian and a diabetes education company to our centre a couple of years later to provide a, a one-stop shop for doctors referring uh, diabetes patients to us. Uh, so we, at our practice we have a, a 300 square uh, square metre clinical gym um, on site plus about four consultation rooms which we run full time um, with all of our practitioners. Uh, we predominantly see type 2 patients who have newly been diagnosed with diabetes with a few uh, type 1s littered through throughout the year. Um, I originally began my working career working at the Marta Hospital Cardiac Rehab Unit. So the majority of the patients that we were seeing there were mature age clients who in some cases also had diabetes in conjunction with their cardiac issues. So in Townsville, we have a million gyms. Um, and so when I left the Marta Hospital, I didn't want to start just another gym. So I basically followed the trend of what we were doing at the Marta Hospital and kept working with the same clientele, so that mature age client. So our, um, our exercise facility and our, our whole practice is, is mainly designed on um, looking after mature age clientele or just people who don't fit into a normal gym environment. So our, our, our standard client would probably be between 50 to 70 years of age. Um, a lot of them are overweight and a lot of them have some kind of chronic disease, usually diabetes, and they also um, have dodgy joints which cause pain and limit their mobility and their desire to, to, to be mobile. So essentially we, we specialise in helping people who who um, who have never stepped foot in a gym or have never really done too much exercise before. Um, with our consultation rooms, um, when someone's referred to us uh, for diabetes, we're able to sort of bounce the patients from one room to another room uh, quite easily. So they'll come in, they'll see the dietitian, then they'll come out of that room and go in and see the diabetes educator, who, who is also sometimes the exercise physiologist at the same time. Um, so they can get all those done at once. So we find that really works well for, for patients and the referring doctors. And then, yeah, so that's how we um, came, came to start up. Well, wow, that sounds like a great service. And as you say, uh, for patients, particularly older people, it's good to have that one-stop service where they can see all that multidisciplinary team, which we definitely advocate for. So today, Dale, I guess the first question I have for you is, can you describe why it is so important for older people to remain physically active, particularly people with diabetes? Yeah, well, unfortunately, our, um, our bodies are used and lose use or lose commodity. So as we age, we decrease in lean muscle mass and therefore strength. So unfortunately, particularly females, um, because they 
don't have a very good metabolic environment to maintain muscle um, they, because they don't have as much testosterone, they tend to, to lose muscle mass a little bit quicker than males. But nonetheless, males and females, we both lose muscle mass as we um, get older. So this decreases our capacity to lose weight and also utilize glucose. Um, so the, the carbohydrate and glucose that we take in through our, through our, um, through our diet, um, our ability to use that um, becomes decreased. So um, therefore, um, you basically, when you take on board those, those products or those carbohydrates, you either burn them as fuel or you store them as fat. So if we're not got a, as a good capacity to burn them, then we're going to be storing them. Um, our, our glucose sensitivity, sensitivity also decreases um, with, with that lack of muscle. Um, also, with, the, with less strength, um, we're at increased risk of falling over. Um, we're also at increased risk of getting more joint pain. So all our muscles, um, they, they help safeguard our joints from stopping bones from pushing together and grinding. And um, so if we've got less strength, we've got more joint pain, which then we're more likely to say, well, no, no, I don't want to do any exercise because um, it hurts me which means we'll then put on more weight. Um, when we've got more weight, we've got more load going through our joints, which then makes them hurt more. And we're on this sort of vicious cycle. So uh, I think it's really important as we get older to, to maintain that exercise um, so that we can uh, sort of slow that cycle or reduce or return that cycle. Um, from a cardiovascular point, um, it's also very important to mobilise those free fatty acids in our bloodstream so that um, they don't form in our arteries as plaque and also all that again, mobilise all that glucose that we've eaten through our diet um, for energy. Otherwise, it just gets stored. So um, definitely very important for our diabetes patients. Um, one of the, we'll use a quote in some of the other the talks I've been doing, and um, it's by the Journal of Applied Physiology. So it's, it's a pretty well-known um, uh, journal. And they've one of their comments that they made, in, which I've taken a snapshot out of, and then it's, we know of no single intervention with greater promise than physical exercise to reduce the risk of virtually all chronic diseases simultaneously. So if we think of that statement, um, and that applies to everyone, including our patients with diabetes, um, it can just do so much for us at one time. So um, yeah, there's definitely plenty of reasons why we should exercise, and, and definitely as we get older, especially once we hit our 50s, 60s, it's a perfect time to train for our 80s, I tell most of our clients. Wow. Um, would you say that there is more and more important type of exercise than others or does it sort of depend on the person that you're seeing at the time? Yeah, it does depend on the person. But um, as a blanket rule, everyone probably needs to lift something heavy and get their heart rate up or puff. So puff and push, I usually sometimes say. So um, if again, if we increase our muscle mass, then that will really... Um, improve our ability to, to lose weight and, and maintain weight like we've just spoken about before. I tell everyone it's like changing yourself from being a four-cylinder car to becoming a V8. You just chew more fuel for your more muscle. Having said that though, we can't just do resistance training or try and increase our muscles and expect ourselves to lose weight. We also have to, um, to get our heart rate up, which is that cardiovascular stuff. So we have to find some kind of calorie expenditure which involves getting that heart rate up and how you choose to do that is completely up to you. There's heaps of different ways you can do it. And I'm very big on um, making sure that people choose something which is that they like doing, because if they like doing it, they're more likely to want to do it. These days also, we're also finding we're getting a fair few type 2 patients who are actually quite lean. So doing more and more cardiovascular exercise, which uh, cardiovascular exercise is good because it reduces um, reduces fat, it makes you fitter, but it actually blunts protein synthesis, so it stops your ability to, 
to do to put on muscle if you're doing too much of it um, for so long duration activity. Uh, we're talking sort of over an hour plus. So for for some of those leaner type two patients, um, we would probably tend to focus more on on the resistance training for them. Whereas if we had a uh, patient who was 130 kilos and, and had some sore joints for that, we'd probably tend to focus on the um, cardiovascular component and try and get them uh, burning calories and, and get them a little bit lighter first. So whilst the same um, principles apply to everyone, probably the percentage of time doing those particular activities uh, will sway one way or the other depending on the body type of the person and, and their injuries and things like that. So, um, you know, a lean person, we might do 80% resistance and 20% cardio and then vice versa if we had a heavy person. Um, and then and then we also have to then take into account um, preferences and what they like to do and other injuries and things like that. But as a general rule, um, puff and push <laughs> is something, I guess. Okay, that's great. So we do know that as we become older, getting physical activity in is can be more difficult or as you've mentioned, people do have joint problems or they become unfit as they get older. So do you have any advice or tips on how to achieve those amounts of exercise or physical activity in the older person? Yeah, I think when we're sort of talking like time to fatigue, um, which is obviously down if, if, if you've got a, um, if you're actually are quite elderly, um, or, or deconditioned, then doing interval type training, um, so a lot of go stop, go stop type um, exercises can definitely uh, benefit that. So when we have uh, clients who are just starting, they might they might try to jump on a machine or, or do an exercise continuously for a certain amount of time. They say, oh, I've done five minutes and I'm knocked up and I can't do any more. But to, obviously, to increase our calorie expenditure or the benefit from that exercise, we want to try and push that five minutes up to 15, 20, and eventually maybe half an hour. And we can do that by doing little short bursts with intermittent rests in between and keep doing it that way. So those little rests allow our overall time to get uh, to, to creep up and, and get higher without trying to sort of go continuously, get knocked up, and then, then sort of have enough, and then that's it. Um, so I, I think... Intervals, I tend to use that a fair bit with all of our clients, and it also passes the time. So if there's any monotony associated with um, with the exercise, then watching, uh, doing some of the, the go stop, go stop type stuff tends to to make that time uh, pass by a bit easier and better. Yeah, so that's probably one of the easiest things. That, that, again, that's talking cardiovascular exercise with. Um, resistance exercises. It's just about choosing the correct activities and um, the appropriate weights to make it to make it work. But um, yeah, time to fatigue and achieving good amounts. You just got to start small and then work our way up. Um, you know, we people generally haven't gotten to their condition overnight, and they're not going to re- reduce their condition overnight. So just go. It's just got to take time and um, and perseverance. Consistency is the key there. That's great. And I guess I'm just thinking as an example of that of those points you've made, in aged care facilities, you do have a lot of people um, you know, sitting in chairs a lot or laying in bed. Do you have any advice or tips around how to get those people a little bit more active? Definitely. There are a lot of ways to, to get around um, challenges in exercise. And that's the, the really great beauty of exercise is you can, where there's a will, there's a way basically. So um, and you can achieve the same result with uh, different approaches. 
So it might take a little bit of creativity or some trial and error on your behalf as the person prescribing the exercise, but you can definitely be done. So the more barriers the person has um, and physical challenges and probably also the less equipment that you have, then it helps to have more experience <coughs> as a practitioner to, that you can draw on ideas and experiences from previous patients that you've used. But um, for the client to... Uh, unable to get out of bed or something, we can do TheraBand exercises, which um, we can wrap TheraBand around around their bed and use upper body exercise. I've had clients in wheelchairs that can't stand because they don't have the strength. We might do um, put them in the wheelchair and get them pushing the wheelchair along the along the um, on the ground on the lino, so on the on the harder surface it's easier. But then if we, they progress, we might put them on the carpet, so then they've got to push against the carpet and that adds extra resistance or pulling themselves forward in the wheelchair, that'll use the back of their legs as well. So their hamstrings, as well as pushing back, will engage their quads. So um, there's ways through from that as well that we can look at. Um, again, if people can't load bear completely, then we start looking at using machines. So using the gym, um, we can get them on a bike or something like that, or arm cranks we have where you sit there and pedal with your arms. Um, there's mobile versions of that as well. Or we look at the pool. So And again, if they've got bad lower body then we look at upper body or sitting sitting exercises so there's pretty much I've never categorically met anyone that we we can't prescribe some kind of exercise for so whether that's um, um, someone who's permanently in a, in, a, in a bed or in a sitting state or someone who's really quite large or or anything above we there's definitely something that can be done in, in all shapes and forms it's just about going about it the right way and getting the patient on board and um, getting them to buy into what you're trying to achieve and showing them, I guess, why you're trying to um, get them to do these certain exercises and point out the benefits of um, to them about how it's going to improve their life. So there's no point you telling them that they're going to be able to do all these fandangle things if, they're, if they've done some exercise, if they don't, um, if they don't have any goals of achieving those. But if their goal is being able to get up and, and um, go to the toilet better, and if you can prove that what you're doing is going to make that better for them and easier for them, then they're more likely to buy into what you're trying to um, what you're trying to achieve with them. Where there's more challenges, you just got to be more creative, and um, and you might need a little bit more equipment. Okay, that's great. I guess there's another oddball question to throw at you. Um, if somebody doesn't have access, or you know, the staff or carers of the older person don't have access to an exercise physiologist or a physiotherapist. Is there anything that they could access in terms of resources that might help? On the ESSA website, so that's the Exercise Sport and Science Australia, there'd be some um, there's some documents on exercise as well. It's very similar to like the Diabetes Association website. After that, I'm not entirely sure whether there's lots of, you've got to be careful with exercise because you, there is a lot of myths and misnomers about exercise and there are a lot of people who think they are an expert at exercise and they're simply not qualified as well. So um, you do need to be careful when engaging um, in advice from from certain websites or other people. Um, you do need to kind of check the, um, the, the sources there, particularly if you're the client or the patient um, has special needs or has um, a, a difficult medical history, then that's where you really need to make sure you're seeing someone who, an, an allied health professional who um, who does have that, that clinical background to be able to help them. Um, sort of, again, going back the other way, the, the less uh, complex the patient, the more you can pretty much just make up something yourself or, or be free to do 
yeah, simple walking or take them out and, and get creative with anything that you might have done personally yourself. Yeah, sorry to throw that one at you. I was just thinking of some places in, you know, rural areas or remote areas that might not have access to professionals that can help. They might be available out there. But if they contacted the Exercise and Sports Science Australia, they would be able to, the association, they would be able to contact someone, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's what they're there for too. So um, they'd be able to find someone who can give some advice um, again, yeah, particularly if you've got a complex patient, that's probably the best way to go, just so that you can uh, be confident with what you're giving them. Yeah, great. Okay, so my last question is, um, I guess, getting back to diabetes. So is there anything we need to be particularly cautious of in terms of an older person with diabetes? We know that, uh, like we've mentioned, the joint and the foot problems, um, and then you're talking about their blood glucose levels as well, like experiencing hypoglycemia. So what kind of things do we need to be looking out for? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the the key here is just to know your patient. So if you say do work, if you do work in a hospital or an aged care facility, and you've just come on shift, and someone's written in the notes that Mr. Smith in room five needs to do his exercise in the afternoon, and make sure you go down and, and help him with that. You need to make sure that you ask some key questions or go doing some digging first. So um, if they're a diabetes patient, then we need to look at um, whether they are on insulin. Um, and when was the last time they took that insulin and also whether they've eaten um, in that period as well uh, because obviously if they've got insulin on board and um, they haven't eaten too much carbohydrate or you're starting to utilise that carbohydrate stores for, for energy consumption as part of your exercise, then active insulin could then make them go high, go low. And also, it's probably important to have a look at their medications as well for blood pressure medications. So that's probably the other thing you'll more than likely run into. So if they're on blood pressure medications and you start exercising them, exercise will dilate their blood vessels and drop their blood pressure and then you're probably more likely to experience some sort of um, syncope or dizziness um, if you're doing something, some sort of cardiovascular activities or even just, you know, raising people from sitting down who've been down all day and then you're getting them up and moving them around uh, quite quickly, then you could end up with some blood pressure issues and then if someone falls, then you're at risk of um, uh, neck or femur fractures or something like that. Um, you need to probably have a good good conversation about pain, whether it is from a foot ulcer or whether it is just joint pain. Um, with these with patients, you often get one chance to um, to get them exercising. If you exacerbate a condition that they've got, whether it be again like a foot ulcer or something else, then more than likely they're not going to give you a second chance. So um, need to make sure that you check what hurts or what other conditions they've got first, so that you can allow for that and and work around them. But insulin, blood pressure, and pain are the the, the main ones that you need to tick off your list. And whether you can just get that from the patient or you look in their chart, but it's definitely you need to do a bit of homework before you, you enter the room so that you, the more confident you are about what um, you're going to give them to do, the more they'll buy in about what um, what they uh, buy in with your session. If you walk in and you're, you're a bit unsure, then they'll be unsure and they won't trust you. And again, you'll get the one chance and that'll be it. Yeah, that's great advice and really great information that really shows us the importance of physical activity today for older people in particular those with diabetes. Um, so much to cover and I can hear how passionate you are about the subject and I think you could probably talk about it all day long. <laughs> but before we finish, is there any really important take-home messages you would like to get across to our listeners today? At the end of the day, I think uh, consistency is the key. So turning days into weeks and weeks into months of regular exercise can be difficult. So in order to be consistent, you have to find something you enjoy. So I tell all of my clients, that's priority one, finding something you enjoy. If you want to stand there and jump up and down on the 
spot while you watch television, then that's what you should do. If I tell patients they've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning and, and, and go for a little walk and it's dark and the dogs are biting, uh, barking at them, um, then it'll last a week and it won't, won't happen again. So it has to be something that they like doing and that they can do. So the other thing is quality over quantity. So we don't need people to be exercising for an hour plus. We'd rather for some good quality exercise um, which reaches our guidelines, so getting our heart rate up a little bit or it's a little bit uncomfortable and heavy for us to do that act, that resistance activity. And then we only need sort of 30 minutes or, or 30 to 45 minutes maybe. Um, and again, we don't need everyone to be exercising every day of the week. You know, if we're talking about elderly patients, we might only be aiming for three, maybe four times a week. And if we're getting quality there, that should be enough. So um, consistency and quality is the only main things that I ask for. Everyone's busy or, um, you know, exercise is not something on, on everyone's um, fun list. So uh, we need to make it achievable and, um, and not go overboard with it, basically. Fantastic, Dale. Well, thank you once again for providing us with your time and expertise on this important topic area. It's been great to chat with you. Yeah, thank you very much for providing me with the opportunity to get these messages across. It's, uh, it's been great to talk about exercise and diabetes and the older population, and I hope all the listeners have found the information uh, really helpful. Indeed, and we thank our listeners for tuning into this podcast and hope that you will join us again for future topics regarding diabetes education.